You're listening to The Reopening, a podcast that asks, how will America work through the COVID-19 pandemic? How will we innovate? And how will it change our global economy? Each week, we invite top business leaders to share their insights on the road to economic revival here at home and around the world. Today, our guest is legendary music producer, Peter Shapiro. Among other pursuits, Peter is the owner of the Brooklyn Bull, publisher of Relics Magazine, and chairman of the nonprofit, Headcount. We talk with Peter about the unique challenges faced by live music performance, the future of streaming technology, and the creative power of music. I'm Andrew Schwartz. And I'm Scott Miller. And this is The Reopening. Peter, you've been someone who has preserved, protected, even really advanced entire genres of music, jam bands, roots music, rock and roll, as we know it today. And it's this music is now facing an existential threat, maybe like it never has been before. I mean, we had, you know, the advent of file sharing, which really put a dent in the music business. But now we have something that we've never encountered before, that live music, as we know it, is in danger. And with COVID, you know, the, the National Independent Venue Association says that if the shutdown continues, independent venues are going to be, you know, 90% of them are going to close this fall or are in danger of closing. Where do you think we are now? And, and what do you think needs to happen for live music in North America and really, you know, in the world as we know it to continue? Oh, wow. I mean, the tough thing is no one knows. Yeah. And I've done a bunch of interviews and people ask, so what's going to happen? And none of us know, you know, which makes it hard. So at my team, we, we, we adjust almost on a daily basis, pretty much on our plan. You know, we were able to, we have a new venue, Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville. It was supposed to open March 13th. But so we didn't make it. We just missed it by a few days. But then we did reopen several weeks later, just bowling and music and food and some music playing only, no shows. And it was actually working. We were up for three weeks. We were mask required. You know, if you do it the right way, I think more is doable. We've just seen so much of people not doing it the right way in terms of performance and the concerts that have happened. And then you see the images on, you know, the news or Drudge and, and online TMZ of Chase Rice with people in the audience, no masks. And that stuff held us back. We had to reclose up on Nashville. And we don't know. You know, I don't, I do think. I'm hopeful that, you know, we need another PPP. The people need another, the venues need another one. There's a couple of bills, the Save Our Stages bill, and then there's Restart. These are more deep support than just a PPP, which would be a couple months. I'll just take that, to be honest. So there's a lot of effort, like you mentioned, Andrew, from NEVA, you know, organizations. Then there's also NEDO, which is about, like, the talent, the behind the scenes, the, the talent age of the agents. The managers, they're all in Troy. They all have clients who have no revenue. So they're not getting, it's just hitting everybody. And as a venue owner, we're just trying to be creative right now. I'm like making new merch. And we came up something at the Capitol Theater to have tiles under the marquee. We needed a new ground anyways. And you can put your name and your favorite show and it'll go down and be there forever. So you can be permanently part of the Capitol Theater in Portchester, New York. Yeah, you can get find out if anyone's on the website. But we've had hundreds of people buy. Like I did Pete Shapiro. My favorite was when we reopened on uh, September 4th, 2012, Bob Dylan. So it says 12, 4, 
12 Bob Dylan with my name. And that's, that's, so you have to be like, we're, we're doing obviously the streaming stuff, you know, and we've done things that we, opportunities we would not have had otherwise. We're doing it through something called fans and we've hosted a lot of big streams and the numbers are way up for that, obviously. And now people are starting to be open to buy tickets, but that's us. We've got our venues wired up, which is smart. If you are a little guy or gal with a venue, you know, that's 200 cap, maybe 300 capacity, um, whether it was in Des Moines or Gainesville or DC or Portland, either Maine or Oregon, like you're, you're, you, if you're 250, 300 without streaming set up already, it's going to be hard to like install that now. Sure. So everyone you hear about street, like it, it's going to favor what's unfortunate about this is the bigger, the stronger will almost just get stronger. And the weaker, I don't know what's going to happen. You know, oh, stronger only on the other side. If you can survive and get mm -hmm. across the water. We've seen that in almost every industry, Peter, is that the companies and the firms and the, the associations that are doing well are the ones that had enough liquidity and, and good enough branding to ride it, ride through it. And uh, they also had a plan on the other side. They weren't just muddling through. If you're trying to muddle through, you're probably not going to make it. But you now you have a very strong brand and you have four Brooklyn Bulls. And so are you seeing different things in New York versus London versus Vegas? Yeah, well, Nashville is the new one. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, that one, we were ahead of where New York and even Vegas. And here's one tricky one. If you're big, like the one in Vegas, the 2,500 capacity, we cannot even open as a restaurant. It's just too, the venue's too big. That's why these venues are in rate, more rate danger than even restaurants who are also in danger. Is The music venue can't even do what a lot of the restaurants are doing with the outdoor dining. Sure. You know, we can't, we don't have outdoor space. We're not built to do that. 25% capacity food only. I mean, some of the Brooklyn Bowls may be good because we have food. But that's why, you know, the music venues are particularly hurt because they're just at zero. They can't even do 20%. It's zero. You mentioned the Save Our Stages Act. This is, you know, a bill in Congress that was, it's bipartisan, supported by Amy Klobuchar of, of Minnesota and John Cornyn, Republican of Texas. You know, and this, this aims to, you know, provide six months of relief at the beginning for venue owners. Well, that, that would be huge. Tell me why that would be huge. Oh, because it just goes, you just said six months. I mean, it's like PPP yeah. was two months, right, yeah. of your rent and payroll and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're talking about another PPP. Hopefully, you know, it was in the Republicans. You know, Democrats came with a $3 trillion proposal. Republicans were $1 billion. But I believe from what I, you know, Marco Rubio is the head of the Small Business Committee, and they recommended this PPP be part of that trillion, I think. Second PPP, but it would change. You would have to have lost more than 50% of your revenue comparing second quarter 20 to second quarter 19. So it would kick out a lot of what we saw with PPPs, like law firms getting in and construction companies, and then they were working a lot. So my understanding is it would be really available to businesses that have really been knocked down. Yeah, I mean, to put this in perspective, live music is maybe hurt worse than almost anybody. I mean, Live Nation, the concert promoter, had... In Q2 this year, had 24 concerts. Q2 last year had 7,200 concerts. For them, revenue is down 98%. Yeah, that's, those are some powerful numbers. When PP was enacted, two months sounded like a long time. 
Well, we've been closed at CSIS for this is the 22nd week, which, you know, we're going to be at six months here before we know it. So it's rough and it makes sense to try to supplement that. I think a lot of small businesses were helped by it. You're right. Not everybody who got the money needed the money or were the right people. But uh, hopefully we learn this time. Musicians, they're getting the Jones, you know, five months in, but it's not about to happen. So we're all going to have to like, because this whole thing's happened during good weather for 80% of the country. You know, that 20% of the country always has good weather, Florida and Southern California, Arizona. But a lot of the country, as you get into November, December, January, February, you know, you're not going to be eating at the outdoor restaurants. And yeah, you can be under a heater. That works like at one of the venues like mine. If you want to go outside, have a cigarette, you stand under the heater. But I'm sure. not sure either, like what happens when it really gets cold? Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. So so that'll be, I think a lot of people are going to even batten down the hatches more, especially in certain parts of the country where they're more serious about the masks, the procedures. Um, so it's going to be interesting. We haven't been through a winter yet, right? This yeah. all started mid-March. Right. That's going to happen. So that's why I'm not that bullish that concerts come this year. Unfortunately, because you're you're heading, you we're going to be in October soon, on November, just say, and no one's going to. Okay, COVID's handleable. Let's go to shows in December and January. One of the things I keep hearing, you know, Peter, is that venues were the first to close, and they're going to be the last to reopen, and that bothers me because, like, we're all jonesing to go see a show and to have that experience, that communal experience around music. Here's the only good thing: I'm going to focus on the positive. We are screwed right now. Yes. <laughs> but if yeah. we can make it across that river that we've all talked about, like every bit, I do think one reason I think it'll, it, it, there'll be a big, and no one knows how long the, the length of the pop will be. Mm-hmm. You know, is it just a few months where people are, or is it permanent where people say, I want to go see more shows now? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I didn't realize how much I loved it until it was gone. And so I think there's a real chance and the bands are going to want to play. Oh yeah. Cause they lost all the money, you know? So I think the end of, you know, 21 mid to end of 21, 22, you know, should be really big for our businesses. We just need to get there. And I think they're right. If, that's a year away. Yeah. We're talking about coming back. So I don't, or maybe it comes, I think spring that's far. So we're say, you know, we're going to need help. And the ones who don't get help, some of them aren't going to be back. The music business has always been, you know, it's about creativity. Musicians are about creativity. And we're seeing the beginning of some of that. So just to use an example, you know, my guys down in New Orleans at Tipitina's. So, you know, Galactic, the band Galactic owns Tipitina's. And I, I take a lot of special pride in that because Rob Mercurio is from Bethesda, Maryland, where I'm from. And I was one of the guys that gave him some of the first, his first meters bootleg tapes. Really? He's a great guy. Great player too. Great guy. Great player. He went to Tulane with my younger sister. I love the way he plays bass. He's so cool. So cool. So cool. And, you know, and his band used to be called when he was at Tulane, of course, Galactic Prophylactic. Now, then they shortened it to Galactic and they're world famous now. And, you know, they bought Tipitinas to save Tipitinas. Now they've got the double whammy of they can't tour and they can't bring shows into Tipitinas. So they're really taking it from both ends. Well, last week, Tipitinas announced they're going to have Tipitinas TV. 
you know, and they're going to stream five shows. They actually showed just how we're on it. Like they're doing Galactic. Yeah. They're doing Rebirth Brass Band. Well, yeah. I know they're doing Anders Osborne. Yeah. And um, they're doing yeah. Tank and the Bangas. Yeah. That's pretty good. I just passed the test. And the Radiators. On rest. I should have got, I did four out of five. I would have gotten that shoot. Hey, you got a lot of bands calling you. You you deserve a break. Four out of five is not bad. I know. I read that. And I, and I, I forgot there was a fifth. If you had said it, I think I would have gone there. But, you know, listen, you got to be paying attention. That's how yeah. I know that. I'm watching stuff, seeing what everyone is doing. And because that's often how ideas come out. And we've been doing similar stuff. I was psyched to see them doing it. I hope it works. I hope so, too. It's going to be better than zero. Look, you you guys are describing something that sounds like, uh, well, the Disney theme parks are closed, but there's Disney Plus streaming, which is a clear an adaptation. But it sounds like that adaptation is happening in the music business. What What's happened with streaming? And what's the future after concerts start again? I mean, it's it's up significantly, obviously. And I believe it will remain up. Mm-hmm. after it comes back the music because people are just socialized to you know we just talked about these phone i don't know if we we're on the air when you were right before when we were talking about the quality yeah right of the phones and the computers that has impacted the streaming of live video you know audio was earlier and easier video without remember like four years ago you'd be watching it would be buffering sure you know, and you don't see that buffer anymore. Mm-hmm. You can watch it on your iPhone or your Samsung, especially the big ones. You put it on the speakerphone. You can have a Bluetooth now. And what a lot of people have been doing for these streams is like setting up their Sonos in the pool, by the pool, by the lake, in the living room, and turning it up. And then sometimes I see these photos when we reran like the Fairly Well Dead 50 show or we did something around a lock-in, or we did Jason Isbell live from Brooklyn Mall, Nashville, in an empty venue. There's people at watching who've built these plasmas outside, you know, by mm-hmm. you know your outdoor kitchen, or projectors on the by the wood. Like, there's a lot of creative ways that people have been doing to watch the streams, mm-hmm. and. I think that experience of getting to watch it with amazing sounds on a full sound system. Sure. And so people are enjoying it more. They're trying it. I don't think that'll fade. I hope actually that doesn't hurt our ability to sell tickets. You know, we've actually, the Locken Festival I have, we've, we've streamed it every year for free. We worry now, wait a minute. If everyone knows we're just streaming the whole thing for free. Are they going to show up? Especially when it's it's not it's in the central virginia three hours close to the city is dc three hours in charlottesville it takes effort to go to lock it and if you can just go in your backyard and pull a screen with a projector and the sound and beers and your lady you know whatever your friends that that is that's happened in the last couple of years and i think it'll continue i can tell you one thing i want to go to lock in more than ever now yeah, I think it's going to create new experiences through the stream that people want to experience in person. So I think you're building the business that way. We've been doing that. We've come up with clever ways on fans.com, which is my streaming where we put our plat- our Brooklyn Bowl, our Capitol Theater, our relics, or all lock in, our stuff I'm involved in, we put them there. And we can take people from home. They get on a go to fans and get like on a Zoom and we'll watch some people get dressed up in costumes, some are dancing, some write out song requests, 
then you put it up on your Zoom. Let's say I wrote something that said, play Stairway to Heaven, Robert, you know, and then check this out. On the mainstream, yeah. we layer in people from home. I've seen it. And, you know, my friend David Unger tipped me off to it. And it is the coolest thing because it really makes you feel, even when you're at home, like you're you're part of it because you can opt in. You can say, I want to be on cam. I can, I'm, I'm watching the show and I've opted in. So you can put me into the mix and it makes you feel like you're there and you're interacting with others who are there. Thanks, Andrew. It's great to hear you say that because we've tried to like come up with a way to do it a little differently because everyone's got these gorgeous streams and I was smart. We recorded all our shows that we did at the cap and the bowls and lock and so we have tons of footage it was how it helped us survive this moment is doing some of the streams we already had in the can but with huge audiences in the in a stream because i think people are getting or have gotten a little exhausted or tired by just seeing someone alone in a living room well, so we we've been trying to now we're moving into live in the venue we had done the recordings that we already had and there's no question to be in the stream and that's how i wanted to try to break that plane you're actually in the stream, like dancing. And then it's so cool to see the creativity of people yes. and, and their faces when they know they're a part of it. And what we did that was cool with the Jason Isbell stream in Nashville is at the end of the lanes are the screens. And that's really about visual. My background as a filmmaker, I wanted to do that. So when we did Isbell, he's playing on stage. We're streaming it. And then we had a shot of those screens at the end of the bowling lanes with the people from home. Right. And between songs, he could look and see them. And someone raised a sign and said, hello from Orlando. Right? Because you can't hear them. We don't turn the audio on. It would be a clattering of disaster. But the video. And he's on stage pointing at the guy. Saying, hey, Orlando. I see you. It's amazing. How are you? I love Orlando. And you could see the guy's reaction. He's sitting alone in his living room, live. Hi, Jason Orlando. And the guy, he's watching Jason. There's 100,000 people watching. And how cool is that? Isabel's like, I see you. Hey, Orlando, love Orlando. And he went to the next song. Amazing. That's you can't cool. Yeah. So we got to try and be creative like that. You must be feeling a lot of pressure. I mean, you're the guy who did the undoable. You got the Grateful Dead back together. So everybody thinks that you can do anything. And <laughs> so everybody thinks you can do everything and anything. And there, everybody's looking to you to say, okay, well, we're facing this unbelievable crisis here what what the heck do we do do you feel this pressure every day you get up or back or? to our first question yeah i do you know people yeah. are coming to me for answers and i wish i knew them i don't yeah. i just know we gotta it's not gonna be tomorrow <laughs> and we're prepping on our side just to be that it will go to you know past spring for smaller I think arena stadiums, that's going to be a year probably, but there'll be some stuff before that. And again, we've, we've come up with some plans and ideas of how to be really smart about it. And you can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look back at the protests, really seemed to be everyone was wearing masks and those were not super spreader events. Mm-hmm. Right. They look back that didn't. And so if you're smart about your behavior and we're smart about how we put it on and how we set it up, how we organize where you watch the show, how we organize where you sleep, how we organize how you enter, how we organize that maybe we don't allow in and outs, it's just in, and you got a camp, bring your sleeping bag or your RV or your tent. Those are the kinds of things that are real. And we are actually working with Health and Human Services 
They have some HHS, the government agency, and they have music fans there. They wanted to see us, you know, pull off lock and because we had, we were developing all these best practices and they'd love to see that in operation because they want to show that it can be done in a smart way. Do you see other partnerships like that with, you know, major hospitals or, you know, things like that to, to perhaps get, you know, festivals off the ground? You know, I mean, the good news is, is that, you know, before COVID, the concert industry was, you know, on track to have a banner year. Tours were up 11%. Things were rolling. And, you know, it's a great lesson. We'll all have this for the rest of our lives, which is don't get too excited, you know, when things are good. <laughs> because things change like that, you know. And any and in lots of ways, they can just change in an instant. And uh, this is one of them. What do you call it? Known unknowns? <laughs> yeah, exa- exactly right. Well, you know, listening to you, Peter, I'm encouraged because you're showing the kind of creativity that your industry has been famous for, and you're applying it in this situation. You know, early, early days, somebody reminded me that Sir Isaac Newton got a semester off at Oxford because of the plague. And during that period of time, he invented calculus. So, you know, there are contributions to be made. And we're glad to have people like you who are still thinking about it, still inventing and finding ways to deliver your product that are you didn't imagine you had. So that's great. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. By the way, you got to talk it through. And we keep yeah. talking like we are like, OK, here, what are your thoughts? And like, keep your eye out on what's going on. What are you hearing from the artists mostly? Because, I mean, the thing the thing that I'm seeing is a lot of them doing, you know, um, Facebook, you know, concerts from their, you know, from their living rooms and more sophisticated things from their from their home studios. And, you know, some of them are putting out tip jars. Some of them are doing benefit type things. But what are you hearing from the cross section of artists that you work with? You know, they they just can't wait to get back to, you know, Mm -hmm. but it's been interesting. They're not rushing it. Yeah, maybe because they're thoughtful people and they they want to mm-hmm. you know they're respectful. We're not getting people pounding on the door saying we want to play, we want to play now, we want to play. I think the scene that I really operate in, and Andrew referred to it, the broader jam, improvisational blues rock, you know, which covers a lot of stuff. Yeah, those musicians, hey, it's very collaborative music. You can't really go up alone. Yeah. Right. The Neville brothers, Andrew's talking about, or the meters, you know, that was definitely not alone music. You know, it wasn't mm. like Tori Amos alone right. on piano. So that probably changes the dynamic. You know, if someone can get up solo, it's easier. When we did Isabel in Nashville, it's just Jason and his wife, Amanda. He mm-hmm. has a full band, mm-hmm. but he didn't bring them. You know, he did two people. And I think you are going to see more out of venues. I think you'll see artists, you know, wanting to play these virtual ticketed shows that's growing i think you've seen it set in with the artists that this is going to be a long haul already has been it's going to be more so maybe they start to open up but i've been a bit surprised so far you know and it's interesting we see it much more in nashville interest from musicians wanting to play to an empty audience with a stream free or paid less so in new york actually in vegas maybe because new york they're so careful they've been within they've been doing really well but it's different it's interesting it's different everywhere mm-hmm. and how about that all the rules are different everywhere <laughs> right that's been a bit, i mean that's exactly that's pretty cray just to keep track of that alone yeah but you know you we gotta hunt we just got just gotta make we just gotta make it to the other side you know otherwise mm-hmm. otherwise we won't make it and but i'm gonna i'm still swimming 
I'm not tired. I'm, I'm tired, but I'm not done swimming. I'm That's not good news. Yeah. That is good news. It, it, it ended up being, I thought it might be a lake or like a river to get across. It's definitely turned out to be an ocean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pack your stand up paddle boards and strap in. It's going to be a little while, right? Yeah, but we're going to get there. This is great news. Peter, can't thank you enough. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to The Reopening. If you like this episode, please write us a review and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can also find other podcasts from the Center for Strategic and International Studies at csis.org slash podcasts.